This is episode number nine of the Emerge and Expand podcast. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Emerge and Expand podcast. I'm your host, Catherine McKenzie-Smith, and I have another amazing interview with an incredible entrepreneur for you today for the Do Business Differently interview series. May Kay Sang is the Sustainable Visibility Mentor, Certified Trauma-Sensitive Leadership Coach, and Podcast Guesting Strategy Trainer. She helps underestimated and underrepresented entrepreneurs to take an intersectional approach to visibility so they can feel safer to be seen as they show up more consistently to grow their impact-fueled businesses. When I first decided to create the Emergent Expand podcast, Meike was someone right at the top of my list that I absolutely knew I had to have on the podcast because her work is not only so important, it is something that I know that so many of you want to know more about. This idea of being seen, being visible, but doing it in a way that feels safe in your nervous system, in your body, and allows you to be able to grow in your own way. Just before we dive into this episode, I just want to place a trigger warning at the start to let you know that our conversation has a brief but acknowledgeable mention of the escalation of Asian hate crimes in 2021 and beyond, as well as a specific mention of the Atlanta incident. There is a pause before that conversation goes into it, but listener discretion is advised. Hi, Meike. It's so wonderful to have you here on the Do Business Differently interview series. Can we just start by having you tell everyone a little bit about you and the work that you do? Oh, well, first of all, thank you so, so much for having me. And as soon as you told me the name of your podcast, I was like, yes, <laughs> do business differently. And I think that weaves beautifully into your first question, like, what do I do? So, I've always been that kind of person who's been curious about what else could work outside of the status quo. And it's not for the joy of being rebellious or anything like that. It's just out of curiosity because I started noticing that there are some conversations in the online business space around visibility that felt very one size fits all. You only put yourself out there and that's it, full stop. And I appreciate that that can work for some people, but I started seeing visibility through a lens of trauma because personally I am a trauma survivor. And when I started to unpack in therapy, by the way, um, many, many experiences and just the realization of the impact of my identities and the intersections of them all, I started to get curious again and ask bigger questions. How else can we do this? And I remember just having this conversation with one of my friends of mine and I just felt really frustrated with the current conversations, how it felt like you're either visible or you're not. Like there's no in-between, there's no spectrum, so to speak. And I said to her, I want to revolutionize what it means to be visible in the online space. Mm. And so that is how the movement of sustainable visibility came about. And that's really about taking a trauma-sensitive intersectional approach that really helps you show up in a way that makes you feel safe enough to be with your audience, to collaborate with people, and just to really do it on your terms. That is so close to my heart. And I love how even just discussing that with close people in your inner circle kind of helped that evolve into what it has become today in your business. 
Um, the, the first time that I came across you and your work was through your guest appearance on the Small Business Boss podcast. And a quote of yours that Maggie used just really stood out to me. And I just thought straight away, I must connect with this person because <laughs> the quote was, I'm just going to say it for anyone who hasn't seen it or listened to that episode, was when it comes to visibility, we need to think about safety first, strategy second. We need to honor our personal capacity. And just so much yes. It is such a, you know, I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt said it. um, That's the first place I ever heard this mentioned, that we live in the age of the attention economy. And I know for people coming from all walks of life, but especially because introverts and highly sensitive souls and neurodivergent souls are close to my heart, and the work that I do in my audience, this idea of visibility can be so pressing on it on the edges of our own personal safety. And you're absolutely right. We live in this online space where you need to do all of these things. There's all these rules that you need to do in order to be successful and be seen and get that attention in order to make lots of money, basically. I guess my question for you is, can you maybe share a little bit with us about how that has evolved in your business for anyone who is kind of navigating that fine line between being seen and feeling safe doing that and then also that that simultaneous fear of not being seen by not doing the things that we're told we should be doing in business Mm, oh that's such a good question and what I have to say to that is when you think of being sustainably visible I invite people to not consider it as a goal to be achieved per se, but more as a state to just embody and to honor the fluidity of it all and how the fact that it moves, it shifts along with you as life happens. Because the fa- the problem I personally find with many strategies out there is um, there's often very minimal room for uh changes. And so mm-hmm. the prescriptive way for me personally, now please, please do not, like take this as like oh okay please do that now like no no no. please take what resonates and leave behind what doesn't sort of thing um with anything I, I speak about um yeah think of it as a state to embody something that moves with you as you evolve and as life changes because life happens and you need to have something that works with you so I I noticed in my own business that my capacity greatly greatly shrunk in 2021 so I do want to provide a trigger warning for anybody who may be listening to this right now and and for you as well Catherine um I'm gonna have a very brief mention of the um the escalation of Asian hate crimes in 2021 so just gonna take a moment so during that time I remember it was around March April 2021 there was the Atlanta incident where I believe it was six Asian women that were shot in a, um, I think it was in a spa-like place. Mm -hmm. And I just remember that felt like the trigger for so, 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 so many Asian hate-based crimes, especially, but not only in America. Mm. Um, I'm personally based in the UK, and I know that a lot of the news um, was centralized around America but I don't want to diminish any incidents that happened just worldwide full stop but there was a huge escalation worldwide and I felt incredibly incredibly hurt by so much of it because it's my 
my people, my my heritage, and I did not really take into account how much visibility could feel like such an exposed feeling if you do not have the protection to help you with that. And actually, I do want to quote um, this Instagram person who I follow. Their um, handle is Pink Manta Ray. And what he said is, visibility is a trap mm. without protection. Mm. And I remember just feeling like I didn't want to do anything. I just wanted to grieve. I needed yeah. to be with my family. I needed to be with my friends and check in with everyone who I knew. And it was just such a heavy time. And I was like the go-to visibility person, especially when it came to podcast pitching, because that was where I got my start in the visibility world. And I remember suddenly having so many more layers in place that I needed to have honored should I show up with someone. I started to be in more incredibly discerning with who I associate myself with because I actually really pay attention to who I collaborate with and who I advocate for and whether their character is responsive to certain sensitive issues. Mm. And I realized my priorities definitely shifted. And now when I talk about visibility, it's not about get in front of as many people as possible to expand your reach because yes that can absolutely work for some but then I really had to take into account um, these intersections of our identities and how that really impacts how safe we feel when we show up and be visible yeah so it absolutely shifted um, especially in 2021 and now I say no a lot more than I do mm. yes I've had to really pay attention and assess which visibility opportunities are both effective for my business and energetically efficient for me. And just kind of like having that just really be centralized around my sense of safety. And that's what I invite my clients to do is what I invite anyone who I teach this methodology to this philosophy. Um, yeah. So it's absolutely shifted for sure based on social issues, especially ones that hit very close to home to myself and all people I really care about. So mm. yeah, it's definitely been a move. <laughs> it's definitely been moving <laughs> and shifting. Yeah, things have happened. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that with us because I think the conversation around visibility and being seen and getting your work out into the world just really is devoid of the vast human lived experience and pain and trauma that people have had. That then paints this picture of what having an online business or having a platform or being on social media even, the fact that that just looks so different for every single person and um, anyone who knows me, everyone is going to start a bingo card on this podcast about how often I talk about this one-size-fits-all method that we see talked about so much in the online space and just even that story, you know, really recognising that that people like yourself and who uh, come from certain communities where we've just seen so many different news experiences, but also it's like been around for so long. You know, there's so many different experiences and lived experiences that people are bringing to their business and their visibility when they decide to step into this. And I think it's a really important one that we should be talking about more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Like, thank you so much for acknowledging that. As, as you were speaking, I was thinking directly of two of my friends who really helped inform my work as well, because mm-hmm. I asked them, oh, how things are going? And um, because they told me that they wanted to guest on more podcasts to grow their business. And I asked how that was going, just out of just simple curiosity and just catching up. And they said to me, you know, I would love to be on more podcasts, but I honestly don't know who is safe enough for me to show up with. Mm. And that really gave me such insight into the window of privilege that I wasn't aware that I had, because while I do have marginalized identities, I do need to also acknowledge that I have privileged ones as well. Mm. And all of us do to a degree, um, you know, it's just kind of like the proportions, like which way is it leaning? So Mm. for example, a privileged identity of mine Um, I could argue that my citizenship, the fact that I am a British-born citizen, um, that in itself is um, a privilege when it comes to my language skills. Because I remember when I used to be a copywriter, I didn't understand this at the time, but I felt like I needed to emphasize that I was British to give an indication of my level of education and Mm. my my fluency in the English language and it wasn't until I spoke to one of my friends who is um, also an ethnic minority who shared their experience around how they get um, profiled they get um, judged as soon as they are seen not before they get a chance to demonstrate how great they are with the work they do Mm -hmm. and so it made me think about that so that is um, a privilege of mine that I have a British citizenship Um, I'm also cisgendered Um, so those are some examples there of my privileged identities and I'm also on the flip side an ethnic minority I'm a trauma survivor Um, I'm on the LGBTQIAP plus spectrum so you know it's it's kind of like the mix and match so that's why I invite everyone who's listening right now just to really take a step back and consider which identities um, and the proportions of your identities that which may lean towards privilege and which ones may be leaning towards marginalization because that's going to greatly influence how safe you feel when you want to show up on a consistent basis. Yes such an important thing and in terms of how we find that safety for ourselves is by actually having that self-awareness in the first place. Can you just tell us on touching on that, how do you navigate that when you're making decisions in your business about who you might want to work with or what opportunities you say yes to when it comes to your visibility, but also your business and how you navigate that? Mm, If you don't mind sharing. (laughs) Yeah, of course, of course. So it's almost like what are my personal litmus tests, right? Mm, yes. <laughs> um, to saying yes or no to something. So first of all, if it's for a business opportunity, naturally, of course, like it's a given for me to ensure that our messages align. So mm. does my work, um, is there any relation to theirs and vice versa? So that's, that needs to be like an absolute must, of course. But then I look at the kind of guests that they already have. So let's say podcasts, right? Um, I think of, and I ask directly if if the information is not openly available, um, I ask like who else are they interviewing and why? 
um, because mm-hmm. I am curious like what their motivations are because there is such a thing as performative allyship and performative activism so I'm I'm always just witnessing their work but not just what they say but I, I look at how they interact with their audience and to see um, where that love and care is um, something that I really look for that I didn't realize until I had a conversation with my clients inside of my program around we were just talking about how we can navigate cancel culture because that's one of the biggest fears for those of us who want to be visible but are so afraid of being cancelled and when we were talking about that I uncovered the fact that something I look for in people I want to advocate for people I want to learn from people I want to collaborate with I look at how they respond to situations where they've made a mistake and Mm. whether they've chosen to do a dirty delete or have they chosen to kind of like stand in the storm and to actually make public reparations in a non-performative way. And the whole performative, non-performative, honestly, that's quite an intuitive decision. It's not particular criteria that I look for like oh this looks performative this is not performative mm. it's just a feeling I get yeah. and I really am looking for those people who really put their humanity forward and not to have that excuse their behavior but to understand where they originally came from and how they respond to the people who are pointing out the harm that they've potentially caused and what they do then so mm. I'm really watching a lot of what they're doing before I even respond a lot of the time. So, and I, I do want to acknowledge again that I am coming from a place of um, please do not think that I'm on this high horse or anything like that. Mm. I'm always thinking about centralizing my sense of safety because I am a trauma survivor, which naturally means that I'm extremely hypervigilant. And two, I do have anxiety as well. And so, the more I know about someone before I am put into a situation where I can feel trapped in it unless I know them well enough um, and have consented and agreed to certain conversations and information shared, I need to have all of that in place to honour that part of my identity as well. Mm. Oh, so important. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And one thing I noticed that you've been talking about a lot lately has been about consent. And I noticed this in particular recently where you shared, because this is a trend that I've seen has really taken rise in the last couple of years in the marketing space when it comes to online business, the sharing of uh, screenshots of DMs from Mm. clients as testimonials. And you made mention to that the other day, I think in the lead up to your program um, that's about around consent right now. And I was just wondering, like, this is obviously a huge breach of trust and confidentiality to share that without consent from our clients. And obviously, testimonials are so important in our business. But I can't help but think that when we're thinking about our own safety as business owners, as coaches, as all the different roles that we hold as service providers and and online business owners, that we also need to be really mindful of the visibility that we then expose our clients to. Mm. Is there a way that you've seen this done just in that this conversation even with this current trend that's really a big deal at the moment? Is there a way that you've seen this done that is really well done in terms of when we're thinking about consent and safety for our clients as well as for ourselves? 
Mm. I'm so glad that you brought this up because this literally came up in the Q&A section of my Converse with Consent workshop I literally just ran last week at the time of this recording. <laughs> and okay, so social proof. I can I understand the trend of using screenshots because it feels like, um, because if you were to type out a testimonial, anyone could think, oh, well, you could have changed that word. Yes. But when it's a screenshot, it's like, okay, no, that, that seems real. That seems like pretty raw as it is yeah. you know it's just take it as it is sort of thing um and actually to me personally it's not enough to anonymize the name um mm-hmm. uh, put an emoji over the picture um because the person has not consented unless you ask anyway the person yes. has not consented to have their words that they have shared with you in a private setting mm. out in the open even if the information in itself is not identifying of who it was or like which business they have etc for them to see their words out in the open even if there is not revealed who it is it can feel quite exposing and that's mm. a violation of trust and um I asked one of my clients who, who said the same thing um who, who took this workshop and what they said to me was like yeah um when you see your own words that is like very exposing it doesn't matter whether you have um you know blurred their name or uh, taken off the picture or something like that that's not the point and mm-hmm. the way that I think about it is this if you've chosen convenience and over the consideration of the trust that you have with your client then that's personally where things can really go awry yeah. and I noticed that um, when it comes to consent it is often more quote-unquote inconvenient to go out of your way to ask for it instead of like oh this is great social proof for me so mm. I what I would say to everybody who's listening who probably does do the screenshot thing like of course you can't know better unless you know better yeah. right yes. and it really depends the kind of line of work you do as well like my line of work is extremely intimate the things that we talk about so I don't do the whole screenshot thing anymore I don't take pictures of the calls that we do I don't tag everybody mm-hmm. unless I ask them ahead of time and not asking them in front of other people because then they mm. can feel that pressure to say yes yeah, oh everyone else said yes yeah, so I kind of have to um like I don't take pictures of my clients um, when we have our calls like even if they all say yes it just doesn't feel right because yeah I know that it's coming from a place of oh look how many clients I have or like oh look at who's in it um like who's in my program yeah it is coming like it's coming from a place of self-service and of course I can understand it's a great way to promote but to me it's just too much fodder for potential breach of trust that to me is not worth it. Mm-hmm. So fitability doesn't stop at the lead generation part. It is also encompassed in the client experience and delivery of your promise, of your services, of your offers, full stop. So yeah, to answer your question in a very long-winded way, what do I think about it? It's understandable, but it's not excusable to breach consent mm. just for your convenience of promotion of your offers. Absolutely. And not long-winded at all. So valuable and <laughs> helpful. So thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. One of the best ways that I've personally seen it done um, when someone did it to me um, because I'm in their membership was I literally just asked, hey, do you mind if I share this as a screenshot and then shared the screenshot with the consent 
as part of the screenshot. And I thought that that Mm -hmm. was a really, if you're going to do it, you know, it's not only showing that that proof has been, you know, that that consent has been given, but also letting other people know, you know, letting your audience know that that consent has been given as well. So it's not just assumed. And I think that sometimes the behaviors that we make, the, the going with trends in the way that marketing and business is done, it's so important that, you know, we have standards that we set for ourselves because I think that that ripples out into the greater community as well. Mm. Absolutely. And I I also want to make a note on the post-it note thing. And I'm going to totally raise both my hands here. I have so done this before. I've only stopped doing it mid-launch when something about it did not Mm. feel right. And so even if I put just the first name of someone that, again, they see their name. And unless I um, ask for their consent first, like it, it, and the, the whole the whole workshop is converse with consent. So to me, yes. I felt like I was just being completely incongruent with my own messaging. So I yeah. just stopped it midway when I realized I was like, wait, they didn't ask to be on there. Like so there, there mm-hmm. have been some programs I've sold in the past where they're like, oh yeah, put my post-it note up. <laughs> you know, they want to be part of it sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I actually, I, I, oh, I wish I knew who I learned this from, but it was, a, it was an Instagram post. Um, but there was one singular line that stood out beyond anything and they said what if I wanted my growth to be private oh oh I love that so much right and I thought to myself oh that right there so it's honoring that uh the social currency of it all like yes Yes. when they join something that you offer when when you know pre-clients become actual clients um they've taken upon your offer it may be something that they don't want to share with the world that they're working on it. Yeah. You know, it might be like, oh, I want to work on this. And when I'm ready, I'm going to show that I've been working on it. Yeah. Like there are some things that when you take it, you are proud to shout it from the rooftops, but there are plenty of things that many of us hold maybe some shame or judgment on or pressure Mm. to know already. And they want to do that in a place where they deem to be safe enough to explore that experiment that. So if they see their name, regardless of whether they have the surname or they see their screenshot, regardless of whether it's anonymized, they want that to be private. And so, yeah, it's it's important to honor that. And because imagine if you were in their shoes, yeah, right? If If you wanted to work on something that's so important to you, but you're not ready to let the world know, but you see your name out in the open on this post-it note or your screenshot saying that you've joined in the private setting of DM. It's a a lot to work with. And I'll admit it's not the most convenient thing. However, what I would say to that is what's more worth it to you? Is it that ease of convenience or is it um, maintaining and upholding the trust that you have been given the privilege of having when you work with someone? Absolutely. There's two really big things that I got from what you just said. The first one is let's all give ourselves permission to at any point in time, change our minds about something that we maybe have always done or have done because we've seen others do it and have a feeling at some point that it just doesn't feel like the right thing to do and change directions on that. Um, I think that's so important and such a valuable gem for anyone to take away with them. And also the learning and and putting ourselves in the shoes of our people before we share anything of theirs um, publicly 
so important and absolutely so much more important that relationship than any social proof or currency that comes with it. Because again, that just then is treating those people as a transactional way of building our own uh, credibility as opposed to the important work that we're doing together in that co-created space. 100%. And a potential suggestion for the post-it note thing, instead of using a word, uh, sorry, not a word, their name, yes. <laughs> their name, um, a suggestion from one of my clients is to use, is to ask the person who's just joined your offer, which, like, which emoji is their favorite, because then mm. you can draw it out and they'll know it's them. But the emoji in itself is not identifying. Like, say, if someone liked a unicorn or someone liked a, a lightning bolt, <laughs> you know, yes. they all know it's them. And it's a way for you to signify the anonymization that you want to honor uh, for your clients. But also, it's their way of knowing, like, oh, I know that's me, like the lightning bolt's mine, <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, so sure. there, there are ways around it. There's definitely some ways you can be more playful of it. And I do want to also let you know a new practice I've started to do as well. So again, it's relatively new, um, probably on the tail end of 2021, I started to do this. Whenever I launch something for the first time and I use testimonials from different offers um, to showcase like the kind of experience of what it's like to work with me, or if I'm relaunching something like a 2.0 or a 3.0 and I'm using testimonials from the previous rounds, I email my clients whose testimonials I've used and the subject line of the email is testimonial free consent request. Mm. And I will do similar to what you do um, when you're asking consent to, to use someone's uh, DM screenshots for social proof. Um, I let them know that I'm so grateful for their testimonial um, and that I'm thinking of launching it again and curious if they're still open to me using their testimonial. And I'll and I'll copy and paste the testimonial that I've done. I'll yeah. ask if they are open to making any adjustments, if so. But also no pressure whatsoever to say yes to this, because if you feel like this is not aligned with you anymore, you feel this is incongruent with your current business, like where it's at right now, please let me know, because we want to honor where you're at right now. Mm -hmm. And then I do leave it in their hands. And I'm extremely grateful that my clients who have worked with me, they're like, oh my God, yes, of course. Like, please do use it. In fact, this has happened since then. Add that on. Amazing. Um, but but even on the flip side, if they have said no, I'm like, good. I'd much rather you not feel exposed in any shape or form yeah. um, in association with me because all of my work is to do about safety and consent and um, sustainable visibility. And a client can feel very visible when they see themselves on your sales page for something. So yeah. visibility is not what you think necessarily think it is in in its entirety it's not just about the podcast you guest on the events you speak at like that is a part of it but there are plenty of different ways that you can be visible for sure and I've had peers who have had to request to have their testimonials taken down because they were misrepresentative when mm. um it was being reshuffled so when I um ask for testimonials from my clients or my collaborators I always ask them, would you like me to run this by you first, just so that everything feels incongruent with you? Sorry, incongruence. <laughs> like <laughs> it feels congruent for you. Oh, again, can't English today. <laughs> um, so long as it feels right for you. That's basically what I'm trying to yeah. say. I'm trying to use fancy words this morning. Um, <laughs> and 
I and I honor whether they say yes or no to that you know because again mm. I want them to feel like yes I consented to this this is like pure representation of how I feel about how I collaborate with you how I work with you etc cetera, etc cetera. so again I know that the things I'm suggesting in this episode right now they are not the most convenient things to do but which is the greater cost for you absolutely and that's all I'm gonna leave at yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what, even as you were just talking then, what I was thinking was about the sustainability of that, that yes, it might not feel convenient in the moment when you're maybe rushing to update a sales page or, you know, get something out or, you know, rushing to get a new client or new people signing up to your program. But at the end of the day, the sustainability comes from when people feel safe in your space and working with you and connecting with you, that that is so much more sustainable than continuing to burn people and act out of congruence with them and make them feel unsafe because they're not going to stay in your business and continue working with or sharing your work either. So yes, it might seem inconvenient in the interim, in the short term, but at the end of the day, what you're talking about really is about how sustainable your community is and how safe you're making your people feel. And I don't know, I think that that's so much more important. I completely agree. And I thank you for speaking to that almost like that transactional feeling of kind of like burning through people and like, oh, next, next, next. next. So thank you. Next. So when you think about expanding your reach, um, I want to invite everybody who's listening right now and um, you yourself as well, Catherine, um, the expansion of your reach doesn't necessarily have to be you reaching every single person. Yeah. Do not discount the people that you've gone to such depths with and they will help expand your message for you because they're advocates of you. They want to spread your work because of what you've yeah. done for them. So allow the depth of your work help with the breadth of reach of your work. Mm. So don't feel that pressure to just for you to reach every single person individually, because I've made my peace with that a long time ago. Like, I don't want to be the one to reach a million people by myself. I I want my I want my name to be like in hushed tones and whispers in the DMs and in private conversations, as well as out in the open. Like, oh, yes, I choose Meike for this. And I'm extremely grateful for the people who continue to advocate for me. And I know that is the case for my audience, because when they find me so many of them stay for years um Mm -hmm. there is someone who I recently signed on um as a client for a new one-on-one offer I have for the I've called it the space holders haven (laughs) and Mm -hmm. it's to really design your your consensual process like before during and after when you work with someone and I know this person has been with me for at least two years because I remember when we first spoke on a cup of ketchup which is something else I do um with my email list and um, it's a little easter egg that I have on my list um but yeah that I know that my people stay and I know it's because of the depth that I take them to and it's thanks to them that my work like gets carried like little like beautiful messenger pigeons like <laughs> in the <laughs> online industry you know yeah um, but they're there they're supporters and I'm so grateful for that and all of you who are listening you have people who are supporting you without you realizing it because they may not show the fact that they're supporting you out in the open. They may only do it in private conversations, but please, please know that they are there as well. Yes, absolutely. And for all of my introverts <laughs> who are um, such a, a huge part of my audience um, and the people that I work with the most, okay. I think that that is so in alignment 
with so many of the conversations and the doubts I think that sometimes we can have, especially those of us who are just maybe starting out that, oh, if I'm not this big rah-rah, you know, seen and heard in a certain kind of way, how can I ever get clients or grow my business or have this be a long-term thing? And you've just absolutely summed up the way that it is possible and in a way that can be sustainable and energizing for us as more introverted people. So thank you so much for that absolutely wonderful gem of wisdom at the end there. You're very welcome. And to all of the people who are ambiverts and extroverts, please know this also applies to you yes. as well, because we are all people human, um, like interacting with other people here. Um, so of course, like, you know, I'm also an introvert myself. So I'm like, hey, like power to the introverts. Yeah. But yes, to all the ambiverts and extroverts out there, we see you too. <laughs> Absolutely. And this approach can work for you. Um, you've said it a bunch of times. My people will hear me say it all the time as well. Take what works for you and leave the rest, you know, try Mm. out this way and some of the things that Meike has suggested today and brought up and see what works for you. How can you create safety and consent in your community and conversations as well? I just genuinely cannot thank you enough. It was such a joy to connect with you. And I just want to thank you again so much. Before we finish up, can you please share with all of the people listening who have just gotten so much out of this, I already know how everyone can connect with you further. Everything will be in the show notes, but uh, yeah, just so they can hear from you, how they can connect with you further. Absolutely. So first of all, thank you so, so much for this conversation. It's been so wonderful to start off my day here in the UK. And I really love what we covered today. So thank you, first and foremost. And to answer your question, so there are a couple of ways that you could reach me. So you could reach me on Instagram. That's my personal preference uh, for social media interaction. Um, so you can find me at Meike Sang. I, I will, I, I'm not going to spell because I know it's going to be in the show notes, but it's going to yeah. be in the show notes. So if you're curious, like, oh, how do I spell your name? Because that's not a very <laughs> obvious name to spell. Don't worry, we got you. Um, you can also <laughs> check out my website, makeasang.com. Same spelling, but again, in the show notes. And if you are interested in learning more with me, not from me, but with me, um, to co-create your own sense of safety when it comes to visibility, I invite you to check out my sustainable visibility incubator. You can find out more about that at makeafan.com forward slash apply. And yeah, for those of you who may be resonating with this type of work, that you check that out. And for those of you who don't and you just enjoy the conversation, then that's awesome too. So those are three places you can find me. And on my website in itself, you can check out the different other offers I have if you're interested in the workshops I mentioned today. Thank you so much, Meike. It has been an absolute joy. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Emerge and Expand podcast. If you would like to connect further with Meike and learn more about her work, as well as checking out any of the links that were mentioned today and a full transcript of this episode, you'll find the show notes at emergeandexpand.com forward slash podcast 009. And I would love to hear from you if you've been enjoying this podcast, if you have anything that you would like me to talk about or share with you in upcoming episodes, or if there's someone that you think would be perfect for the Do Business Differently interview series, please head over to Instagram and connect with me at miss underscore KMS or shoot me an email to hello at katherinemckenziesmith.com. Otherwise, I will catch you in the next one.